it's really up to marketing to help lead that pivot toward customer centricity. So you take all the things that was true for marketers in 2013, and we fast forward to 2018, bigger pressure for ROI, a lot more technology to work with, new organizations as a result, and really this whole customer centricity thing. So (laughs) I always tell people the job of the marketer is the hardest job in corporate America. Let's go. I sell products, not advertising. This monkey business is in your blood, under your skin. Okay, now you're just getting in, you're only getting started. People will think. What I tell them to think. Oh, have I got your attention now? You have part of my attention. You have the minimum amount. This guy's got the right idea. Why don't we begin? Welcome back or welcome to another session of Pod Sessions with me, your host, Mitch Fanning. For those listening for the first time in this podcast, I cover a variety of subjects, including business, marketing, and personal growth. In this session, I spoke with Debbie Gagish, who is the author of the award-winning book, Rise of the Revenue Marketer, which is considered by many, including myself, to be the playbook for any marketing leader who wants to transform marketing in their own organization from a cost center to a revenue center, which in 2018 really should be every marketing leader. Now, as a result, she's been nationally recognized as a thought leader on the topic of revenue marketing and now has over 30 years of experience helping B2B companies grow by adopting a more revenue-focused marketing approach. In fact, having coined the term revenue marketer back in 2011, many consider Debbie to actually be the original revenue marketer. Today, Debbie is the principal partner and chief strategy officer of the Pedowitz Group, a firm that helps companies adopt and operationalize revenue marketing in their own organizations. So without further ado, let's get into it. So Debbie, it's great to finally have you on the show. Before we get started, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to join me today. My pleasure, Mitch. So I think a good place to start would be for you to share your story of how the term revenue marketing actually came about. That's a great first question. And it's a story that I love to tell because it really was a pretty cool story. So what happened was in 2007, uh, Jeff Pedowitz started the Pedowitz Group, and then I joined as his partner a couple of months later. And in those early days between like 2007 and 2010, we really struggled with what do we call this new market? Because marketers were beginning to use marketing automation platforms. They were integrating it with CRM. And it was creating a very different type of marketing organization, or at least the possibilities were there. And so I I really am a thinker. I noodle on things all the time. And so one day I thought to myself, what if we put revenue and marketer together? And at the time it was very much an oxymoron. And let's just see what happens. And so I had the chance to test the term revenue marketing. I was um, Marketo in 2011 did their first uh, Marketo Rockstar Roadshow, and I was their kickoff speaker in 14 cities. So I said, I'm going to test this term revenue marketer and see if it flies. So our very first session was actually in Austin, Texas, and I'll never forget this. And um, I did a... um, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to try this term revenue marketing and I'm going to describe it via a journey and, and I'm just going to see what happens. And uh, it was like magic. Um, once I presented uh, revenue marketing, I talked about what revenue marketing was. Then I talked about the four stages of being a revenue marketer. Everybody picked up on it instantly. The speaker after me who had never heard this term in his life 
talked about revenue marketing and talked about the stages of revenue marketing. And after the event, when we were networking, people would come up to me, Debbie, I'm intrigued by this term revenue marketer. We're at so-and-so stage and we really want to become full revenue marketers. That happened in every single city, Mitch, every single city. So I knew that the term revenue marketing had really hit a nerve for marketers because back in those days in 2010, 2011, marketers were just being um, to begin to be held accountable, uh, you know, for some kind of revenue. So that's the story of how it got started. Yeah. And it's interesting. That was kind of the same response I had and kind of to go back just a bit because I, I was uh, on the agency side and we did a lot of biz dev. I, I've also been very business development focused, especially when working with clients. And obviously with new technology, it was great because we could actually start to attribute <clears throat> certain results coming in. But it was there was always that disconnect because I knew that we couldn't close it to actual business results and i i e revenue and and uh r o i and profitability and so when i when I actually read your book a few years back it was the same thing it just i was like exactly like it's funny why uh most marketers don't at some point come to that realization. And, and like I said, this is not just theory. I mean, you you did it back in 2004 with, with the software company you were with. Uh, you obviously have I a did. background in sales. And, it, you know, you know, again, in, in your book, it, it really, even just the year one ROI, it completely uh, transformed the role that marketing played at the company. But here's, here's the question. Since writing the book in 2013, and that's what, five years ago, I believe, when it mm -hmm. comes to That's the right. subject of revenue marketing, you know, what's changed, if anything, and, and what's remained the same? That's a great question, Mitch. And let me see if I can net this out. I could talk for hours about the changes. Um, but you're right. In 2013, I released the book Rise of the Revenue Marketer. And it really is a basic primer for any marketing organization who is trying to transform from a cost center into a revenue center. Even today, I'll walk into meetings with people for the first time and they'll say, here's the copy of your book and it's dog-eared and it's all marked up. And so it, it really is a primer. And again, it was the frameworks. I think you're right, Mitch. It wasn't a series of tactics. It was a series of frameworks and it was a mindset. And it was also hope, hope that you could indeed transform marketing. So if we fast forward to 2018, a lot has changed, but some things have remained the same. The thing that has remained the same is the need for marketing to step up to the plate and take on and assume financial accountability. As a matter of fact, that has uh, heightened. You know, there, there's a lot more pressure on marketers these days to do that. There's a really great study that comes out every year from Duke University, and it's just about the CMO. And they, they do this study twice a year, and it talks about, you know, over 80% of CMOs feel this enormous pressure to show business accountability, yet only a third report any kind of financial metrics. And my bet is 50% of those metrics that are reported are suspect because, again, marketing is still kind of struggling here. But beyond the, the, the need for marketing to step up to the plate and be accountable, we've seen three other really big changes that has affected the role of the revenue marketer. Number one is the pace of technology and digital transformation. When you think back to 2013, I mean, as a marketer, 
marketer, you may have had five or six or seven different pieces of technology. Any company is going to have 20 just to say hello. I mean, you know, over 7,000 pieces of technology. So the pace of technology, the number of technologies, and how marketers are using technology has changed drastically from 2013. Along with that technology, there's been some big organizational shifts within the marketing department. In particular, I'd like to call out the rise of the marketing operations function. The marketing operations function, I like to call the CMO's second chance or their mulligan, because Mm -hmm. a lot of CMOs tried to apply their traditional marketing thinking as they were taking on accountability, but you really need that left brain thinking. You really need a group that's going to be highly analytical, very project management focused, execution focused, technology focused, and that's what marketing operations does. So we've seen a huge growth in the number and also in the level of maturity of marketing operations organizations. So that's had a big impact. And the third major huge change for marketers is this whole customer centricity thing. I like to I like to say that we're living in the age of uh, customer engagement, and the customer is firmly in the driver's seat. And so, as more and more companies shift their go-to-market strategies from being product-focused to becoming customer-centric, because they're being forced to by customers, it's really up to marketing to help lead that pivot toward customer centricity. So you take all the things that was true for marketers in 2013, you know, the revenue marketer, you had to be accountable, you had to use some technology, you had to organize in some way. And we fast forward to 2018, bigger pressure for ROI, a lot more technology to work with, new organizations as a result, and really this whole customer centricity thing. So (laughs) I always tell people the job of the marketer is the hardest job in corporate America. It has changed more and continues to change more than any other role that there is. So I think those are the big changes that we've seen since 2013. And I've seen that as well. And and just to add some commentary to that, a couple weeks ago, I, I did just a really informal survey on social amongst my peers. And really, I just asked, what's marketing's number one job? And, you know, again, a whole bunch of different answers came back from, you know, brand management to, to building the brand to lead gen, et cetera, all across the board. It's almost like some people are afraid to relinquish that creative side or that traditional side that they've built up and and not really just get down to the the crux of it which I feel like you said is is financial accountability and to drive revenue you know and again we're also seeing the research and and the headlines pop up you know leaders don't value marketing CMOs have the shortest tenure uh, in the C suite it's the hardest position to fill like you had mentioned yet here's the interesting thing at the same time you're seeing CMOs transition into successful CEOs. And so it's interesting. And then the other, on the flip side, you're seeing marketers, you know, again, headlines saying marketers aren't being invited to, to join board of directors. But again, the research is showing that the boards that have those marketers are seeing a higher pace of, of revenue growth. So, you know, amongst all this turmoil, there seems to be a few marketing leaders, specifically B2B marketing leaders out there, because that's kind of where we are, we, we, where, we're, we, where we play, and companies who are, you know, quote unquote, getting it right. But, but again, it comes back to that. If, if a few people are getting it right, 
meaning they're figuring out they need to be accountable. They have kind of honed in on their tech stack. Again, it's always, it's always evolving, but they figured a way to, to balance that and bring in technology to drive, drive strategy. Uh, they're bringing on people in the ops and, and analytical areas, uh, and they're being customer centric. If some of those people are getting it right, why do you feel so many other people are kind of getting it wrong? And again, for the most part, marketing is still being perceived as a cost center, not, not a revenue center. That again is a great question. And it's actually, uh, one of the key questions I'm trying to answer, um, in, in my PhD research, um, I'm actually working on a research project right now, and it's really all around how does the B2B CMO adopt financial accountability? Can't share any of that research yet, uh, but later this year, I'll be able to share some of that research. I think that um, there are a few things getting in the way. I think there is a lot of unconscious bias around the actual role of marketing. I mean, if you ask anybody in corporate America what marketing does, you typically don't get terms like, oh, they're revenue marketers. Oh, they help, you know, they drive growth for the organization, at least not in the B2B world. And I think there has to be a lot of education, I think especially at the executive level. I mean, any CEO should be looking at marketing as not the cost center, but as a way to drive growth and to and to drive revenue and to drive margins and to drive profit and to do that through customer engagement. And those CEOs that aren't thinking like that all need to be fired because they have a fiduciary responsibility to optimize the use of every tool they have available to them. And in treating marketing as the, you know, whatever sales does we do in the make it pretty department is a, a really incorrect use of those resources. So I do think there's a lot of unconscious bias, and it's not because people are mean or ugly. They just, they grew up, and they've had a certain set of experiences with marketing. However, I really do see that changing, but it really does need to begin with leadership. And so, you know, I've, I've been in this market since 2004, and, you know, along the way, you know, I'll have friends like a VP of marketing, they'll be hired and they'll be hired specifically to help create a growth engine through marketing. And if that's not the position, then they don't want it. So thank goodness in 2018, we have people, you've talked about it before, who are these serial revenue marketers and who are hired by that skill set. But if you're bored, if you're CEO, if you're CFO, if you're COO, you know, if you're head of sales, cannot open their mind and see how marketing can be used as a tool to drive revenue growth, then you're going to be in for a long, very, very difficult journey. And quite often when I have, when I talk to marketers who are working uh, like that, I just, I said, you need to go find a new company because it's, it's never going to happen. But there's been a lot of education that's gone on. Uh, I mean, it, it is just, it's, it's normal for a company to be able to use marketing as a growth engine within their organizations. So it's not like you have to look very far for use cases or business cases. They're very, very much all out there. And I'll say one other thing, Mitch, and I think this is very important. I think there is an overwhelming lack of leadership training for the revenue marketing-oriented CMO. Where do they go to learn how to do that? Nowhere. 
Maybe we have a handful of universities that offer something on it. I teach at the College of William and Mary. I teach in the MBA program. And uh, once a year, I do a workshop. It's a half-day workshop on what this revenue marketing stuff is all about. I've done it for six, seven years in a row. Blows these MBAs' mind because they were never exposed to any of this in undergraduate or as part of their graduate programs. So we really do have to stop and ask, where are we where are we getting these leaders from? Quite frankly, they just happen to work in a company where they get exposed to this situation and they learn the skills. And that is something that we need to address. Absolutely. And 100%. And like I said, like you, uh, I'm kind of taking my own journey down, down that path. And, you know, we don't have all the answers, but there is that kind of unconscious bias. I've been in situations where I was talking revenue marketing and they just kept going back to lead gen in terms of the, the, the other executive <laughs> leaders. And it was like this yin and yang. Oh, it was yeah. like this, it was a slingshot. It was almost like, it was almost like Groundhog's Day. They forgot about the conversation the day before. Now, you know, we joke, but yeah. they can't absorb it, Mitch. They can't absorb the term revenue marketing. Yeah. It's such an oxymoron to them. But the interesting thing is, that, you know, 2016, uh, Thomas Barta and Patrick Barwise, uh, they wrote the the book, The the 12 Powers of, of a Marketing Leader, and we don't have to get into it, but it was a large study. I think 8,600 leaders from like 12 countries were interviewed, and they kind of identified the 12 behaviors. Here's the interesting thing. You wrote your book three years prior. They really state that what, you know, some of those powers are that helps drive a marketer's business impact uh, and career success is number one, not being in the revenue camp and not being able to affect, you know, change in the organization, which is interesting. You basically had said that point blank. Yeah. Many studies in the academic world clearly demonstrate that when a CMO or a head of marketing um, is part of the revenue picture, they have more credibility, they have more power, um, they have a seat at the table and also a voice at the table. Um, you know, having that revenue accountability truly does put a CMO in a different category. Yeah. And it's, it's a great companion to, to the work that you're doing. And like I said, it seems to me again, and we're maybe repeating ourselves, but it's not necessarily a lack of functional skills or keeping up with the latest MarTech, even though it, that is an issue that still needs to be addressed. It again, really seems to be the fact that we can't kind of overcome these more high-level things, uh, tackling the bigger issues? Well, I think if you take a look how you go through that transformation journey, how do you transform the role of marketing in your company from being a cost center to a revenue driver? And I like to think about it in, in three areas. First of all, you have to have the right mindset. That's a lot of what we've been talking about and a belief that marketing can do this. You have to have the right organizational skill set, and that's what the best CMOs do. They bring in the right skills to tackle this problem. And then, of course, you have to have that operational tool set, which is the MarTech stack that we've been talking about. But it all starts with a mindset. If, again, you're working in an organization that does not believe, cannot comprehend that marketing can be a revenue driver, then you need to go someplace else. So before a marketing leader gets to that point, what's maybe the the one specific step or the first step that they would need to do to implement the, you know, going down this revenue marketing model? What would be like the very kind of first thing that they would need to do and where, or where do most pe people get stuck? 
That's a great question. I have one whole chapter in my book, uh, Selling the Vision, I call it. And it, it's all about how you get the right mindset in the executive leadership. Because once you can get them turned in that direction, then you can really, really go. So I think it does begin with education. In my experience in working with executives, if you talk, walk, think like a business person, and you can approach them with that business mind and that business approach, then they will listen to what you have to say. You can't go into a meeting with the board and be talking about the colors of your website. You are the make it pretty department. But if you go in and say, I have a business case, and let me share with you how I've put this business case together. You know, I believe that we can generate an additional, you know, 8% in revenue. I believe that we can cut down the length of a sales cycle. I believe that we can help each salesperson achieve quota. And here's my business case for that. As a business team, I will listen to that. If you go in talking about buying technology and a whole bunch of tactics, my my eyes glaze over, right? So I think the first thing for a marketer, what you have to think about is you have to speak the language of business. And thank goodness today there are so many business cases and there's so many tools that you can use to build those business cases. You present your business case and then you have to in, in, embark on a really well-rounded educational program. You have to educate the CEO. You have to educate the CFO. You have to educate all of them into what this new world could be. And that's assuming you're really not doing anything and you're kind of starting you know, from ground zero. And a lot of times if you take a look at what your competition is doing, because nothing upsets a, an executive more than to think that competition is doing something, they're going to get ahead of them. You can even do a competitive analysis to see how uh, your competition is using marketing. So it begins with a really great communication plan, a really great uh, business case, including what your competition is doing. But you have to present it as a business person, not as a marketer. And I think that is the beginning. I think most executives today, they're always open. They're always interested in, in doing something different and doing something new. And any executive worth their salt will certainly want to talk about ways to increase revenue for less money. And that's absolutely what marketing does. So, you know, it sounds so well, of course, Debbie. I mean, what else would you say? Yet, the people who do exactly what I just described can move forward. And the people who don't do it, they'll, what they'll try to do, they'll try to go and do their secret lab stuff. I'm going to go buy marketing auction and this stuff and I'm going to be able to prove it at some point. And that's just not the way to do it. It, it. it really isn't. Clearly, you do have to have proof points along the way. And early proof points are good. But you have to set the stage for this. One of the questions you the, in, in, in our, in our pre-call, Mitch, was you know, how long does this take? It can take a while. Um, this is not something that happens overnight. You are transforming the role of marketing in your organization. One year is fast. Three years is probably about average. And that's in a company that's actually ready to and, and is willing to embrace the kinds of changes that you're talking about. So, and I can't say enough about communication. Uh, so, one of the clients that I worked with, we actually put together, I put together for them, this was a large technology company, and they were beginning this transformation. And I put together for them a communication scorecard because you had to communicate with everyone. 
You have to have others communicate on your behalf. And you have to keep that story and your successes very transparent and very much in the front. So we actually created a series of communications at the executive level. And then we actually worked with, this was a global organization, and actually uh, field people to kind of like be, you know, thought leaders in this area. So, so they could also have a group that they worked with and that they communicated with. And this was all very, very, very necessary. And if you think about it, Mitch, revenue marketing is change. Revenue marketing is big transformation for a lot of companies. And so I've even worked with companies where, um, we worked in conjunction with uh, the Office of Change Management, for example, because technology changes, people changes, org structure changes, processes change, relationships change. I mean, it, it all just changes. But at the heart of it all, I think any good executive, if you give them a business case and if you make them aware, if you educate them to what could be, then they will be on your side and you can move forward. Yeah. And just a couple of things. I've seen that because, I mean, to, to be fair to the leadership team I was working with at the previous software company I was with, we we had parts of the revenue marketing in play at, I would call, a beta level. So it was, it was, but it did take two to three years to even get to that point. And that was, we weren't, I would say we were probably still about 50% of the way, 50, 60% of the way just to get all the processes and, and the automations and the technology kind of all, mm-hmm. all working together. Um, but but you're actually right. And here's here's another way I, I've kind of looked at it is that, you know, to take the heat off kind of the, the CEOs and, and uh, you know, the, 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 the sales leaders, you know, as marketers, we, we've kind of gone through our career as the experts. And then as technology kind of has evolved, it's harder to become the expert in everything. So we, we as marketers tend to feel like we need to be the one that knows everything and, and, and spending all that time and, and kind of spinning our wheels in that area. We almost forget the other aspects of, of business like, okay, we have to, you know, we have to make sure that we're really spending time letting, you know, the CEO understand what's going on with, with, uh, the evolution of marketing and, and really, kind of empowering our peers to be our advocates and, and getting them on board and having conversations with the financial team. So there's all these things that really have nothing to do with marketing that almost seem to be the things that as a marketing leader, you need to become good at and almost relinquish the fact that you're now maybe not necessarily an expert in a lot of different things when it comes to technology, just so that you can kind of move the needle and actually get your organization where it needs to be when it comes to revenue marketing. Would you say that's a fair statement? I, I think I think that's a very good characterization. <clears throat> and I would add to that, that successful marketing organizations today are agile and know how to work within a change environment. Those are very unique skills. So I have a good friend, and he he actually built the marketing operations organization for um, LinkedIn, Nicholas Stronka. He's on his third company now, and Nicholas is very much a serial revenue marketer. And one of the things that he, when he was building his his revenue marketing organization at LinkedIn, he was very much looked for people who had the right attitudes, who could be not not just the deep dive experts but who could be agile, who were curious, who uh, thrived in an environment of change, 
and that also wanted and expected accountability. And again, he's done that in his last three companies, and he's had just amazing success. So the kind of marketer that we hire today is very different from the marketer that we hired in the past. Um, these, what I call Uber skill sets, um, are going to be the make or break for marketers in careers going forward. You know, and if you think about it, today's marketers no longer even work in silos. They they work cross-functionally, you know, especially when you take a look at how companies are moving toward customer centricity. Marketing's helped to lead that pivot. Well, you have to work with every customer-facing part of the organization, not just sales. So I call these Uber skill sets. Um, they are hallmarks of the revenue marketer in 2018. The ability to be agile, the ability to thrive in an environment of change, the ability to communicate very well, collaborate very well, and to work cross-functionally are some of those Uber attributes that I see. You know, I think that's uh, really a great place to kind of close down. I think the only kind of question that I would ask, and and uh, maybe there's a there's a quick answer to this, but what's the most misunderstood thing about revenue marketing right now that you see? I think the most misunderstood thing is oh oh, by technology and magic happens. That is the most misunderstood thing. Technology is not the solution. Technology is an enabler, but too often marketers are still falling for the bright and shiny toy, thinking it will be the answer to all their problems, and it isn't. I couldn't agree more. Where can people find more about revenue marketing uh, and, and what you're up to in general? So a couple of things. You can check me out on LinkedIn. You can check me out at the Pedowitz Group, where I'm the Chief Strategy Officer. And also, uh, for the first 10 people that contact me, I'll be happy to give you a free copy of my book, Rise of the Revenue Marketer. And you can reach out to me at my email, debbie at pedowitzgroup.com, or connect with me on LinkedIn and ask for a copy. I'd love to give you one. That's very generous of you, Debbie. Once again, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you so much. A pleasure, Mitch. Thank you. Well, that's it for this session. For those of you who made it this far, thank you so much. Quick reminder, the show notes will be available on my website at mitchellfanning.com. And at this stage of the game, I really only have two small requests. Number one, I'd really love to get your feedback. And you can do that by either going to iTunes and leaving a review or contacting me via email or social. Just use the hashtag MitchCast. Again, all of this can be found on my website. Because like I said before, it's really going to be your feedback that's going to give me the oxygen to keep me going in the early stages and to improve the show. Because ultimately, I want this to be something that you'll also get value from. Last but not least, if you know somebody who might be interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out and let me know as well. That's it. That's all. Until next time, thank you so much.